0: Welcome back to another daily walk. Well, today we're going to look at another booklet from John MacArthur's um, Spotlight on Scripture. This is the straight answers about creation. These booklets are available to read for free online, or you can purchase a physical copy of it. I think it's like two or three dollars, and I'll go and put the link to this one in the description to the video. So when we're talking about straight answers to creation, this is an important principle in the scripture because how you handle Genesis 1 is a strong indicator of how you will handle the rest of the scriptures. In other words, are you going to be able to look at Genesis 1-1, take it by faith on face value, I uh, mean, remembering Hebrews 11, um, Hebrews eleven three, I believe it says, by faith we believe that all things that we see were created out of that which we do not see. Do we take for faith that God created the world? Is this something that we place our stock in? Or is this something that what we tend to do, we, we tend to look at and go, well, did he really mean each day being thousands and thousands of years? Do we really mean the gap evolution? Of course, the scientists say evolution is a, a foregone conclusion. Therefore, how do we cram this into the scriptures And this is really the fundamental principle. Do you believe the Bible on the uh, face value? Because the reality is, no, there's no law of evolution. There's barely even a theory of evolution. At best, it's a hypothesis, and it's untestable. Because in order to test it, you have to be able to examine a system outside of it, for the period of the duration of the experiment. Sure, we can talk about some microevolutionary changes, so um, a moth shifting from white to black with soot, but if you've actually heard that experiment, you also might know that that was actually a forged experiment. It was outed many years after many of us learned about that in basic biology class as being a hoax experiment. However, those types of things do slightly occur because of simple shifts in allele expression, nothing having to do with anything more advanced than that. But what MacArthur does in this, he talks about three basic words. And with these three basic words, he wants to talk about the idea of looking at what creation is in terms of those three words. The first being simplicity. In other words, is is the Bible overcomplicating things? Is the Bible a scientific text to teach us the mechanism of creation? The answer is no, but it has enough detail to simplistically give us the science that we can look at and every single time that we have a conflict between theology and science, believe it or not, science ends up uh, agreeing with theology. It's like that old expression, the scientists are climbing and climbing and climbing the mountain, they finally summit, they're like, we have arrived to the top of our mountain, only to find there's a church service going up, the theologians have been up there holding services for years. And uh, we see this as uh, I was looking at some examples of geology, for example, you know, just about two, three years ago, they're like, wow, we found this amazing place. It looks like sulfur and brimstone came out of the sky and destroyed this whole valley in two towns. Yeah, that's Saddam and Gamora. Thank you for finally agreeing with us and for laying to rest the idea that, oh, that's just a myth in the Bible. No, actually, it's valid. Some archaeologists believe that King Solomon was just some local tribal leader. He wasn't big. He was only looked big because of the authors of the Hebrews. And then they just discovered within a few years ago, archaeologically, that he had thousands and thousands of copper mines, which was more valuable than gold at the time. Um, These are the things that, that the scripture agrees with. And in simplicity, he's really talking about looking at the Genesis account saying... This is how it is. We have created the world with these first principles, dividing them down into um, time and force and action and heaven and matter, or space and matter. And Genesis 1.1 contains these five basic principles. The foundation and science itself becomes simple when you can break it down into small enough categories. And if you've actually taken up a study of science, you might know that. Now, if you were forced to take a scientific course as part of your major and you were, you know, a basket weaver or something in college, you might look at science and go, science is hard. Um, But no, it's really not when you break it down into smaller principles. So the second word he uses is fidelity. Of course, Josh McDowell uses the word fidelity when he's describing truth. What is truth? Well, it is fidelity to a standard. In other words, it is truth. It is trust. It is placing a degree of trust in the things that we see around us. And when we place our trust in the scriptures, particularly in Genesis 1, then we start to understand the framework by which God had given us Everything else to build our foundation under we don't have a house with multiple foundations We have to start with the foundation on the Word of God. Do we believe in what the scripture tells us? Or do we not and this is something that that he talks about he talks a little bit about some of the creation scientists which I'm in general not a huge fan of the creation scientists, I I, I just don't think it's a scientific question. The origins is not a scientific question, it is a philosophical one. And when it comes to studying our philosophy, I'd rather just take my philosophy from the scriptures. If we don't take it from the scriptures, then it's either right and it agrees with the scriptures, we don't need it, or it's wrong, it disagrees with the scriptures and it will pollute our theology. I'd rather take from that approach. However, that being said, they have spent, uh, as he writes in here, uh, faithful, believing scientists and organizations like the Institute for Creation Research and Answers in Genesis has spent decades continually demonstrating that true empirical science never undermines the integrity of Scripture— Rather, new scientific discoveries only affirm the ancient biblical revelations. This is why I don't put a whole ton of stock in this. It's too easy to fight about it. It's too easy to turn the ancient biblical text into a matter of works, i.e., have you studied the latest research from the answers in Genesis, or do you actually believe it under faith? And I'd rather just believe it under faith, hence going back to Hebrews 11.3, by faith we believe that everything was created by that which was not created. Um... Does that mean that uh, I'm just throwing my brains in the trash can? No, because there is so much we see about the world. This is what Paul writes in Romans 1, that the origins of everything in the world is made plain to us. I'm just not going to spend a whole lot of time looking at empirical, alleged empirical evidence for something that we can't actually design an experiment around. I'd rather spend that time confirming the rest of the physical laws with other forms he does talk quite a bit about darwin and how uh, darwin the origin of species was originally titled and i actually have a copy of my manuscript actually has this title on the origins of species by means of natural selection or the preservation and of favored races for the struggle for life yes that's actually was what it was and it was utilized as a foundation for nietzscheism which was used by hitler to say we need to Create a purified master race. Well, that's kind of problematic, but it was the foundations of this evolutionary ideas by which such things came about. Now, he kind of goes into kind of a hit piece on Darwin. Some of that is valid, some of it um, is probably fruitless, but regardless, he just kind of goes in there a little bit more about how the foundation of the evolutionary principles and the undermining, which, by the way, um, The origin of species wasn't actually widely accepted by the scientific community. It was actually accepted by the philosophical community. Thomas Huxley brought it into philosophy to allow it to breed its way into the sciences because that's how things happen in college campuses. Don't never go to college campuses to learn truth. You pretty much find anti-truth there more often than not. But then we, we get into here a little bit more about trusting in the Lord. He talks a lot a lot here about Job, how Job is trying to question God and God questions him. And then he kind of concludes to sit down with this, uh, I like this section here at the bottom on page 8, evolutionists need to sit down with Job in subjection to God's great lecture. They need to read the account of his work, look at creation and repent in dust and ashes. Who do they think they are questioning God? And that's true. You know, we don't need to sit down there and try and raise all these obscure questions, we have to instead trust in Christ. And then the final word that he gives us is priority. What is God's purpose in creation? Why did God create everything? What was his priority? Well, it was a priority to create and illustrate and demonstrate his love to his people in the midst of uh, this crazy, chaotic world. To put another way, MacArthur writes. To put it, uh, put it another way, uh, what is the purpose of everything he made? What is the divine end game? Those are the fundamental questions that most people, even atheists, wonder about in some time in life. Why am I here? What is this all about? People crave purpose for their lives. They want to understand the grand scheme to know the objective. Whether or not they acknowledge the Creator, they want to know what He is accomplishing. Remember Solomon and Ecclesiastes, as he goes through his whole life, he looks at women, he looks at work, he looks at pleasure, he looks at wisdom. All these things, he gets to the end of it and he says, This is my conclusion of the matter. The chief end of man is to love God and honor Him completely. That is really one of these uh, core principles. Our priority leads us to understand who God is, and these are the things that we have to understand. And ultimately, it gets down to the bottom end of it that we have to start at the beginning with Genesis and understand that in truth before we can get to the final ending. If you don't know where you are in the midst of Christ, question yourself if you believe the first origin accounts in Genesis. Do you believe that in seven literal days, God created everything that we have, everything that was is now seen was created out of what is unseen because he is the ultimate and the powerful force and that he did it in seven literal days? If you're struggling with these fundamental principles, then get yourself on the same page. Either you are wrong or God is wrong. And when you put yourself in alignment and in subjugation to God and start believing what he says, things will start to fall in place for you. We're going to leave that one here. Again, I will link this one here, the straight answers about creation, in the video description. Go ahead and have a look at it um, there. You can read it for free, or if you want to buy a copy, it's just a couple bucks. With that, thanks for watching, guys. Have a look over the website at rwalkinchrist.com for more information about how you can help support this channel. Thanks for watching, and I hope that you enjoy your daily walk